Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pacciuto, and I'm very excited to have my only brother, Anthony Pacciuto, on the podcast with us today. Ant, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Very excited to have you on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Goes without saying. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Anthony Pacciuto. I'm John's brother. Uh... Shared a room with John for 15 years or so. Mm-mm. I don't know, 10? I mean, we didn't share a room. All right. We shared a door. We shared a door, we <laughs> in a bathroom, so sharing a bathroom is the same thing as sharing a room. But <laughs> Definitely not. We didn't uh, sleep in the same room. Fortunate enough to get to learn a lot from him, and I'm a happily married father of three, uh, equity day trader, and uh, that about sums it up. Equity day trader, what does that mean? That means I make money based on the movement of certain stocks on any given day. Oh, you're like one of those finance bros? <laughs> I'm not a bro. Interesting. Sorry, I need to pause for a little sip of wine. <laughs> Calm the nerves. I know one of us was nervous coming into today. Um, so tell me about yourself. Uh, I mean, I know quite a bit, but tell the listeners a little bit about like how you got into being a tech bro or a uh, finance bro, how you got married, how you got kids. Like, Give me a little wow. bit of a rundown of Anthony Picciuto, 2021, 32, almost three years old. No, I Four. am 33. I'm going to be 34. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. So went to the same high school as you, West Sussex, uh, did what I had to do, went to a college that I wanted to go to, Penn State. Uh, I had a good time there. We are. Terrible. We are. We are yeah, football. the last few weeks have been rough. Um, studied finance there, kind of knew what I wanted to do. Got my job at a Which school. was what? I want. I always wanted to trade. I just didn't know. I always thought you had to go to an investment bank. Um, I later learned that there are what's called proprietary trading firms, where you know it's kind of in-house money, in-house tech. Um, you just your job is basically to make money. You don't have to deal with clients and that kind of stuff. And that was right up my alley. So then I started doing that right out of school. And you you knew in college that's what you wanted to do. Oh uh, yeah, I had a brokerage account in college, and I tried trading and. What very you, very you, small brokerage account in college. What did you trade poor. in college? Uh, like, t- give me an example. Tipco Software, Sponge Tech. You remember Tipco. Sponge Tech? Sponge Tech, yeah, man. Penny they stocks. were. Uh, you yeah. know, stupid stuff. You learn a lot. Uh, Tipco is a Chinese company, right? No, no, no. Tipco is a software company. I don't think they're Chinese. Oh, okay. I made, made that up. Um, they later got sold. Um, but anyways, so uh, I happened to know my now wife, Aaron, uh, when we were growing up. Uh, my best friend and her best friend were brother and sister. Uh, so we were around each other a lot. We never really started talking until she was a senior in high school and I was a freshman in college. Uh, we started talking. She came to visit for to see if she wanted to go there. Um, you guys smooched? It, we kissed, yes. Um, it we, wasn't the weekend I was there that and slapped you in the face, was it? Uh, probably not. Definitely um, yeah. And then, you know, we started talking all the time and whatever. We started dating at the end of her senior year. Um, dated, you know, exclusively when she was a freshman and... And then we realized, like, hey, we don't see each other. You know, let's kind of, like, give this space. Like, we're pretty sure we want this to be it. Um, but we're really young. And it's, you know, not really working with no cars and no funds to drive back and forth. So Didn't you have my car for a short period of time? Mm, maybe Impala? one weekend. Oh. I, I never I never had a car at school, ever, really. Um, never had the Impala? I, I might have had it, like, between Christmas and Thanksgiving or something like that. But I never had, like, had it handy funny story i was with mom yes i don't know three four days ago we were running some errands for her and 
I parked next to like the exact car that I had, like the that light baby silver, blue yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, oh shit! I was like, this is my car. She was like, you never had this car. I was like, what are you talking yeah, about? You had that and just had the cobalt. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is my very first car. I was uh, like, this was like the the fucking best thing ever. This was the difference between you and Jess and me. I never got my own car. My first car that I had myself, I bought for myself. That's not even remotely true. Yes, it is. My first car was the Jeep. Mom and dad got you guys the Cobalt and the Impala. Correct or incorrect? I paid $100 a month. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It might have only been 200 <laughs> but I paid might, 100 Back then, that might be true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's where I got. You know, I've been lucky enough to survive in my business, which is a hard business to survive in. And, uh, you know, Aaron and I got married um, seven years ago now. And um, we have three beautiful children. I just had my youngest son is six months old. I've got a uh, five-year-old. To the day, right? Uh, yeah, to, to the day. To the day, yes. Yeah. Um, my daughter's about to be five. My middle daughter uh, just recently turned three. So, uh, you know, Marielle, Liliana, and Anthony. And, um, yeah, the fatherhood is chaos and joy, you know. Seven years, that's crazy. Uh, hell of a party, hell of a wedding, good times, greatest best man speech of all time, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see after Jess's wedding, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Matt's Mucha is going to give a better speech than me? Oh, right. I was thinking of my speech. Sorry. Oh, your speech? My speech. God, you're going to be a sappy loser and you're probably not even going to make it halfway through. We'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway, uh, seven years, very long time. Um, you mentioned that you guys kind of started dating super young. How quickly into like talking, dating, et cetera, did you know that Aaron was like the one? Um, Pretty early. I remember something that our father said to us, or to me at least, multiple it times. It wasn't us. <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple times. You've probably heard him say this about mom. Like, the first night he talked to her on the phone, he knew he wanted her to be the mother of his children. Um, and I knew having a family was always my number one priority in Since life. Since, like, second grade. <laughs> yeah, that's always what I wanted. And, um, you know, when I met her and we started talking and I realized her values and who she was and, and, you know, how we balanced each other and that kind of stuff. And that happened fairly early. I would say within the first year, like, but you're very young, you're 19 years old. Yeah. That's the scary part at that point. when you're like, like I want to run around and be drunk and stupid. And I don't want the stress at 19 and I don't want to resent her, you know, for, for wanting the same thing or for at, you know, not having freedom when I'm young. And, and, and honestly, you're all, you're, you're not with the person you want to be with. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you could try to be noble and some people do and they stay together and whatever. But I, I think a lot of relationships that try to go through college like that, whether you're apart and you're away and you don't see the other person, I think they, they flounder later on because of that, because some people have trouble, like they're like, they, they're thinking about what they're Trust missing me. out. Like yeah. I, I didn't miss anything. You know what I mean? I, would I, say, I never thought that I did, but I know I didn't, you know what I mean? Because we did that. I would say outside looking in and just like from happenstance and experience, you are one of one of the only relationships that made it through college, like doing your own thing while you're apart and like together when you're together. I don't think anybody else had any success doing that. I, I think people have a hard time being radically honest. And oh, sure. We well, I mean, that, just honest in general. That, yeah. But so I think for the most part in our relationship when we were apart and doing other things and whatever, we were completely open about it and very upfront and it hurt. And we were upset, and there was a lot of when hard times. Young. Yeah, no, exactly. But everything yeah. is like the end of the world. Exactly, that. exactly. So, you know, those things were tough, but you learn from them and you choose. Like, love is a choice to grow with somebody for the rest of your life. 
that's well, what I don't know if love is a choice. I think like relationships are a choice. In my, uh, when I say love, I think of like l- the love of marriage. Like okay. I, I consider like marriage to be something holy, not just because of church, but because of what you're pledging together. Mm-hmm. And like, like I knew that that's what I was pledging with her because I wanted that from the beginning. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we worked through it. You know, when we had it, when we have an issue, even to this day, we say, okay, what do we need to do now to fix this? You yeah, know? what can I, I do to be better? How can we communicate this better? Whatever. Obviously, it's one of the relationships that I have like the closest association to because you're my brother and <laughs> she's my sister-in-law, and I we spend a ton of time together. So it's easy to like from the outside looking in see like what a good relationship looks like. And you know, I said it at your wedding. It's still something that I like. You know, I'm hopeful for that one day that like I you know I could meet someone and have something you know somewhat to the degree that you guys have something sure for will. sure not the three kids but definitely <laughs> some of the other aspects um the the reoccurring joke of like pretty much our entire like brotherhood is you've had the entirety of your life planned out since you were like 7 years old and call it old at heart call it old soul old soul said. whatever you want to call it what about What about the planning and the execution of everything that you've kind of gotten to today has matched up to your expectations and your realities and how much of it is still a work in progress? Um, I would say everything has far surpassed my expectations. I never knew the levels of joy that children could bring. I don't think I ever really understood what the word joy meant until I had children. Um, I do. It's it's a good glass of red wine in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Um... A good glass of red wine does it for me, too. I I would say a lot of times I look back at, you know, it's not like we had we had no wants in the world growing up, whatever else. But we've worked our whole lives. You know, Uh, I've always worked and and I just feel astoundingly grateful. You know, there there hasn't been any letdown. It's always just like, all right, what's next? You know, Mm -hmm. what can I do next? And, you know, like we've talked about, you know, Aaron and I are trying to start a nonprofit. We're currently in in the works with that. And, you know, you just kind of see like what else what do you want in life well, mm-hmm. you know and you can go get it whatever you want that's the real well the the funny thing i'm glad you brought that up is because like you have planned out the entirety of your existence and if you've gotten you know i would say even let's call it for like seven years ago like pre-kids pre you know buying a house in your hometown that you always want like whatever pre all the things that have like kind of happened <laughs> gotta interrupt i didn't always want to move back oh okay uh, I always wanted to move further away, but okay, fair enough. Well, whatever. And I didn't know how hard kids were then. Continue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> allies and and extra hands do help yes. for sure. Um, aside from like the the things that have like occurred in the last couple of years, you basically did everything that you wanted to, or like got pretty close seven years ago when you married your best friend. You had a great job. You're making a ton of money. Like life is really good. Did you have any? And now what? Then like, did you ever have any? Like even up till like that point, like shortly after you come back from the honeymoon. You know, you're no, I never had that until uh, I hit a certain level of success at work, and that's that's where the nonprofit came in. And it's that's the that was the now what is okay, what what we should be doing good. You know, we've been fortunate, we were you know, came from a good place, we are in a good place. You know, let us try to help those who get to you know, one step further in their lives. So it wasn't so much like multiple years ago, it's just over in the last recently year or so, yeah, yeah, for sure. And is that primarily due to like work success and like financial freedom or does it have more to do with the fact that like you finally had a son like how much of this is like you know you like um, there's, there's obviously a, a plethora of factors that roll into something like that 
I, I mean, I, I just think I, I'm always thinking about different things. So for me, there's never like the now what is just like, well, okay, what do I want to be doing? The only thing I want to do right now is sleep because I have three kids, <laughs> you know, should have thought about that. Maybe. No, but that's, I mean, that's a thing. And oh, Aaron, and I go back and forth about a fourth child or not. And, and at the end of the day, the only reason I don't want a fourth child is because I want to sleep. You know, and um, you could take like a three to four year break, right? Yeah, but I don't want that. If I'm gonna have another kid, I want them to be close and and then just you know kind of be be done with that this stage of the chaos. Um, you know, I'm like I look forward to the older chaos. Uh, I think I'm better at like that. Two, thirteen, and fourteen, like a thirteen and fifteen year old girl, and yeah, like fifteen, thirteen, eleven, and nine would be a fun chaos. Like I could deal with fun. that. I could deal would with not that. be the adjective that I would throw in front of chaos. Well, so here's the thing you have to keep in mind that you might not know this is I've always thought about myself as a father in the ages of like eight to 18. When you were eight to 18? Cause that's like what you remember as a kid, you know, maybe five to 18. I, mean, I don't like, remember shit from when I was five, but yeah, those are my first few memories right through three to five. You know, you have a couple smattering here and there, but my, my point is like, so you think about like fathering in, in those stages of life, like the impact that you'll make on your children and, and just like, you know, you don't think about the fact that you're getting anywhere from, I don't know if it's a bad night, three or four hours of sleep to, you know, okay, you have a good night. It's eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up, we slept a lot, <laughs> you know, well, yeah. we were always good sleepers and, but and that's like that has nothing to do with like what our parents were doing sleep wise. No, no, no. I know. I know. No, I'm, I was definitely not a sleeping baby. No, no. When you're a baby, no, you're colicky or whatever. So, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, yeah, I, you know, I don't have a lot of those one if moments. Um, really, just trying to figure out. No, it was a what now, not when if. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, I think because there is a certain so. Finances aside, like kind of white picket fence, you know, children, dog, you know, point <laughs> point five acres, like all the things that like go into like building a life aside, there is a certain number of emotions and feelings that human beings encounter when they reach their goals, right? So like you've been checking boxes off a list that you've had written down since you were a child, right? Like get married, dream girl, kids, check, son, check, house, check. No, I'm I serious. daughters too, for the record. Um I mean, you wanted four kids, so yeah, I would imagine it wasn't like, <laughs> I want four boys. But my point is that there is like a very common kind of uh, phenomena for someone to reach the pinnacle of what that moment in time is representative for them, and then to then look around and say, now what? So aside from, let's say, the nonprofit that you guys are putting together, like what else, where do you, what are you, what are you looking at five years down the line besides like fatherhood, work? Um I think sort of like you, I've found other passions in life. And I think like as the different stressors and, and time consumptions of fatherhood change, I would like to follow some of my passions a little more. Um, like? I mean, even hobbies. Like I, f- I thoroughly enjoy climbing. I would like to be doing that regularly, but that's hard to do when you have a six-month-old, you know? <laughs> it's hard um, to do anything when you have a six-month-old. Right. So, you know, uh, I've started writing. I've started... Um, you know, I really do enjoy going to the range and shooting and like, I would like to get good and take some lessons and maybe, you know, compete one day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing with trap also. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy those things. And this is something I, I talk to Aaron about often. And I like, I, I want, 
hurt to have more things because I think it would be I think it's good for everybody to find different passions and and luckily for me her passions are currently our three children so uh, it takes the burden off off you know me a little bit and that is a I mean it is the most important and 100%. hardest job she's got the hardest job yeah. yeah I ask her all the time like do you want to go back to your regular job yet <laughs> <laughs> and what is her answer She's like, I'd still be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So that means she was, she was working 50 or 60 hours a week during the pandemic. No, no exaggeration and, and taking care of our kids full time. It just wasn't sustainable. And, and thankfully we were in the positions that we could be like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't healthy for you. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, obviously the last, it's almost two years now has, uh, brought upon like a lot of problems, growth. Uh, it's just like been a, a huge catalyst for people over the last two years with COVID kind of like it being a, a, you know, a pivot point for a lot of people in their lives. What kind of lessons did you learn you know, about yourself over the last two years? And what have you taken out of like whatever strife or hard times that you had over the course of the last two years that you're going to use moving forward? Um, I think for me, I think about work more so than anything because the volatility of my income uh, can be hard because it's fully commission based, fully commission based, you know, and there are months where you don't get paid. And um, I I think like it worked, this goes for anything in life. Right. And I always used to say, Oh, they're just better than me or, Oh, you know, that person's just doing X, Y, Z. And at the end of the day, anything in life is just about figuring out how to get where you want to be mm-hmm. you can get there yeah the question is just what are you going to do to get there or like what are you willing to sacrifice to exactly yeah. and you know to 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 do better at work i've had to deal with bigger swings you know and that's an adjustment and you know i've kind of had to to grind down my mind a little bit to not think in real terms you know um because at the end of the day for those people who are listening or not really you know understanding what you do you you basically bet on a daily basis x number of dollars in trades and you execute these moves and these things that you're trying to do but it's not your money that's at risk it's Mm -hmm. the firm's money but whatever you make you get a percentage of and Mm -hmm. whatever you lose then you need to make up so when you say like the stresses of it it's like detaching yourself from the fact that it's like not actually your money right yeah or you know you think about the amount of money you lost and that kind of stuff um but that doesn't really matter in the long run you have to think in a probabilistic manner right um and you know that carries over to the rest of life Mm -hmm. how does like uh you know you're kind of job works on like an hourly basis, a, you know, a daily basis, a weekly basis, monthly basis in terms of like payouts and stuff. But like, how does like a good day shape your mood and like your emotions? And how does a bad day shape your mood and your emotions? You're asking a question you know the answer to. Um, it depends. Yeah, obviously, it's, I know the answer it's to It's different. It. It's definitely different. Um, this is something I've realized recently, uh, now having two more people in the house, um, is... I used to commute in out of the city, so I had this built-in buffer before I would see... Like a decompression period? Exactly. It's definitely easier to let my emotions get the best of me when I'm home because I could I go from one form of chaos to another, <laughs> yeah. and there's no buffer. There's right. no decompression. So, you know, I started during the pandemic a lot of times, and over the summers, you know, right at the close, I would go upstairs you know when, when i was done working i would go upstairs i would get the dog and i would go outside for 15 minutes and just get some fresh air sort of like uh, a built-in meditation right and just take a deep breath and whether it was a good day and you know or a bad day or whatever and 
and each relationship is different. It's easy with the kids to just like be silly and laugh off the day and forget about work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with adults, it's a little bit different. You know, people ask you how you are. They could see it. In, they know, even though you're pretending to be happy that you're, they could see it. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little different. Yeah. Um, so no, it's never fun to lose. You know, it's definitely something that I don't think any trader, even the best, like enjoy losing money. You know, like, it, there are days where it's like, whew, that was a good loss. That could have been a lot worse. And sure. I do have those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to have that perspective. But when you mess something up, it doesn't matter if you made a little bit of money, but it was a big opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it carries over and you try not to. But, you know, you, you got to take the time and then decompress and, and figure out what works for you. I'm sure everybody's different, you know. I've often, you know, wax poetic on the, the synergies and the similarities between your profession and like that of a professional athlete, right? Mm -hmm. Like probably baseball because it's just the sheer volume is like kind of similar in terms of like at bats and blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Like there's just like really strong like similarities between a baseball player and you and your job. Um, 300 gets you in the hall of fame as a baseball player. What gets you into, I guess I'll say retirement hall of fame in trading. So that's an interesting question because it's different for every person. Um, I would say for the average person, if you can be above 50%, it makes your life a lot easier. So a 500 hitter. 50% in terms of like being... It wins to executed. losses. Executed. Right, okay. yeah. um, but the reality is it's all a factor of expected gain. So there are some people who are only right 10% of the time, but they make so much more money that it doesn't matter. Uh, mathematically sure, so speaking, expected right. value is just the percentage you're going to win. So say you win... Uh, 10% of the time, but you make a million dollars. Okay. That's a hundred thousand dollars in, in positive outcome, but you only lose a thousand dollars 90% of the time. That's minus 900. So that's an amazing trade. But if you're you, like you take a paper cut, paper ahead. cut, paper cut, paper cut, and all of a sudden you have one win. And then next few times you try it, paper cut, paper cut. There are people who trade like that. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's different. I would say I'm more towards the 50, probably 60%. I haven't analyzed it in a few months, but... I'd be very curious. Um, yeah, I mean, my positive days to negative days, I'm normally positive 60 to 75% of the time. Um, normally, it's one day a week I'm negative. That's like my average probably for most of my career. Um, so that's daily. If you want to get granular and get down to each trade, there's also multiple trades in a certain symbol. So Yeah, it, I'm not... I mean, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I'm just more so like, you know... If if obviously your profession has afforded you some financial freedom to do the things that you want to do in life. So that gives you the opportunity to be forward thinking about, well, you know, what am I going to do next? The what now being we're starting a nonprofit. And then the next what now I would imagine is something to the extent of like, okay, how much longer do I really want to do this? How much longer do I really have to do this? Like, so those are kind of where I was coming at from a mm-hmm. contextual perspective. Yeah, I still got a long way to go. But yeah, yeah. you know, three, four kids, it's expensive. Well, I mean, it's going to be like four and a half million dollars to send them to college by the time they're 18. So. I mean, it'll probably be easily a half million dollars to put the four of them through half a million to me way more than that 125 a year yeah but let's uh, we're not we're not even gonna discuss this that's even you're just gonna exists. get ang- anxious about it no i'm not gonna get anxious about it i'm just gonna get annoyed that college is still gonna be a thing in 14 years yeah it might you not go be. on youtube and there's learn. a big solar storm tomorrow so this very well could be the last podcast ever. <laughs> it could be and it'll be the best <laughs> um i i've been fortunate in that like i've always been super irrationally confident in like my looks in the things that i'm doing like just stupid like dumb shit like I've always thought I was the best writer on the internet when I was writing. Uh, I think I'm the best photographer in the world when I'm taking pictures. I think I'm the best podcast host when I'm taking podcast when I'm doing podcasts. These are
these are just like some irrational confidence that I've got kind of ingrained in myself. Um, oftentimes, I don't know why that is, right? Like, <laughs> I joke. Well, you are a very good podcaster. I've told you that. Thank you. I joke a lot that I look in the mirror and I see a six pack and. <laughs> There's like about 20 pounds of fluff that are not really there. My question for you is I have really no clear way to explain why I have this confidence in myself. I call it preordained gift from God that has allowed me to feel incredibly comfortable and blessed in my own skin. It hasn't always been this way, but it has like really developed itself in the last couple of years. How do you deal with confidence issues in yourself, whether it is in your performance as at work, whether it's in your duty as a father, and what gives you confidence? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, uh, work-wise, I think I'm most confident when, um, you know, in a routine, when a routine gives me confidence and just doing, repeating the same thing over and over again, um, you know, trying, trying. What do you mean? Like, I don't I'm, like like okay getting up working out uh oh, oh t- regiment right. re- very regimented get you know get up you have a good workout you feel good physically to start the day um you know you log in you go through your notes you, you're doing all the things step by step um and sticking to that and not trading over trading before the market opens and and really just uh I, I will say like sticking to my plans at all times i think that's what i'm most confident for work um fatherhood's a you clusterfuck is what i was gonna say uh yeah it's hard i i think like how how do you know when you're being a good father versus like when you're like failing you don't you don't you won't know till like therapy rolls around at 12 13 or like no i i I think i know by how i hear they are so far in school and how they are when we're not around um Mm -hmm. i think the hardest thing to understand as a parent is that your child is always trying to push the boundaries because they're trying to learn Sure. They're, they're even it's not like a conscious thing. They're they're trying to learn what, what is acceptable, yeah. what is what is the right behavior, how they can get what they want. You know, they're they're trying to train you, so to speak, the same way you're trying to trade them. So it, it's not that easy. But hearing that they actually behave very well when you're not there, that make that makes you more confident. Hmm. I, I would say I'm. I, I don't think I'll ever be that confident until you know, until they're a little bit older. Like I said, that's when I think about myself. Like I'm confident in my fathering that I'm confident in putting them to bed. That's about the only thing. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. I, f- I find that interesting because like, obviously we've, we converse a lot. I like really love the psychological aspect of your job. I find it wildly interesting. I love diving into the nuances of like how your sleep, your diet, like all of these like extraneous circumstances factor into like your successes and failures Mm -hmm. and i would imagine when you have a really shitty day where you just get blown up lose a fuckload of money that it's really really detrimental to your psyche right because it's like you know a baseball player if you go up and you strike out four times in a row Mm -hmm. the next day you go to to the plate you're gonna be like well i'm gonna fucking do this i don't want to strike out yeah i mean that, that definitely does happen does it um yeah i mean i'm struggling right now for the first time in two years and it's it's one of those things where you are like, okay, what I have to do? And so what I've done that I will be reading on Monday morning is I've written rules and almost like a letter to myself in the past when mm-hmm. everything's going swimmingly so that I know, you know, it reminds you. Like, these are the things that you need to put back in place. These are your speed bumps. These are your, you know, your... your Triggers. Your things to, to stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the biggest things that like people don't realize is in my business, I think that's why a lot of people blow up is... 
when you stop start struggling like right away the first few days your number one priority is to stop the bleeding you have to close the wound mm-hmm. and like a lot of guys is are that, is that as easy as stop trading or is that as easy as like if you're trading mind. ten thousand shares, go down to a thousand. It's mm-hmm. the same thing, like to explain it in blackjack terms, is if if you're on a heater and you started a twenty five dollar table and you're already up to betting two hundred, five hundred dollars a hand and you're winning and winning and winning, been there. You lose three <laughs> hands in a row or two hands in a row, go back to twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the important thing that, like, to me, sometimes now because thank thankfully I've had so much success, it takes a couple extra punches to, for me to go down, and sometimes that's to my detriment. Um, but once I do, you know, I'll get back into a routine starting next week. And I think that's part of it. Interesting. How much does like your overall success or failure factor into like your daily happiness? Um, it depends on how big it is. So like, uh, well, like, let's call it like a, like a five, like a zero to 10, like a five day win is like whatever the dollar figure is like you're medium of the road. You had a successful day. And then like a five, like a minus five is like, you know, so, so I think that for me, it, it really just, it, like, how does it impact? It's your, not monetarily. It's just my performance, right? So no, no. Like, I'm talking about how that, the performance affects your overall happiness mood, like on a day to day basis. Like um, how it's a long large part you, of it. I mean, think about like, if you were at a regular desk job, right. And your boss screamed and yelled at you all day, like you're, it's going to ruin your day. You know, not my boss is not screaming and yelling at me, but I'm screaming and yelling at myself mentally. Yeah. So my question is, so like 430 rolls around, you have like a marginally shitty day. Could have been better. You lose a little bit of money. Nothing to write home about. Are you dropping that at 430? Is this something that lingers on? Oh, no, that's gone. Yeah, it's, it's gone. gone. That's gone. That's that's not. Did, is it easier to let drip away when you have like a successful day? It's the same. Yeah. It Like any marginal, any middle of the road day. Any average day at this point, it's just like okay, cool, another day. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Did my job today. Gotcha. Like, oh, I lost a little bit of money, but that was my job today. You know, like I made a little bit of money. That was my job today. Um, you know, it's like anything else. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you and I have like just dozens of these conversations mm-hmm. on a weekly basis because I find it so wildly intriguing and interesting. Because um, it's not like you do a job that's like. You, there's nothing special about what you do. You sit at a computer, you type some keys. You're not like uh, curing brain cancer. You literally serve zero utility to society. Thank you. Hence the nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. which is hopefully going to fill up that utility that you're not providing from a service perspective. Um, but I do find it super interesting because like it, there's so much psychologically that goes into like your performance and, and all of that. Um, when you like, let's say tomorrow your job is taken away from you. What are you doing with the rest of your life? Besides being a father, obviously. I mean, like for work. That was my first answer. Um, for work, I would. I think my other passion in finance is um, is for young people and and their retirements, and to get young people invested in the stock market, and just explain to them why they should be diversified and how the stock markets are designed to go up, and you know, like the things that they should be doing that are very basic. Um, because I think a lot of financial advising is quite frankly bullshit and why do you think that 
Sorry to interrupt you. Why do you think that like financial literacy is not something that is taught to people like in junior high and high school? I've always wanted to go back and teach it in junior high and high school. Yeah. That's I mean, like, been like my biggest thing is like how do how do they not teach this when people are 16, 17, 18? Like we don't learn how to balance a checkbook, we don't learn how to budget, we don't learn how to like you know, credit cards and APRs and like things that are super important for you to know when you're twenty four making fifty thousand dollars a year but spending seventy five thousand kids a year. that go to college with their first credit card and right. then they, you know they rack up credit cards. So why why is that? I don't know. I think it should be a part of school curriculum. I'm I'm like a very huge proponent of that. I know I know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna lie. I obviously know what an APR is, but like you know, but like I didn't know what an APR that. was yeah. until I was 25 or like whatever. No, the, but you like know. compounding is like the single most important financial thing to know in in the world, and like they don't teach compounding. Yeah. They don't teach anything. So like it that that to me is is like the most important thing. So if you if, weren't working in finance, what would you be doing? Like any capacity, take money, I would probably teach. Money. I would probably teach. I would probably teach financial related stuff. So like I just have a financial school. mind. That's how yeah. it's I've always thought about finances. Now, like I there's I can never remember a time where I wasn't like, oh, I see how this like I like even when we worked with dad growing up, I loved like Okay, this is a good customer. He gets twenty five percent off. Like I'll figure out that math, and then I'll. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I don't know if I've ever told you this. When I was a kid, and I would go to the bathroom. In the bathroom, I would count either all the tiles on the floor or like oh all God, the. So you're Rain Man. No, I'm not. But I'm not that smart. <laughs> or like all the screws in the in the vanity or whatever. Like I always enjoyed numbers. Okay, Rain Man, go on. <laughs> so I I kind of would no matter whether I was in finance or teaching something financial related, I think I would do something number related or I would write. I do have a couple different like fantasy sci fi ideas in my head. Okay, A.G. Riddle. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, good. Yeah, it'd be like him. He retired early. Yeah. Um, you know something like that, or um, I would probably write about relationships. I think Aaron and I have a lot to share with the world. Um, as to how to have a, a healthy relationship. And obviously, we have ups and downs, but you yeah. know, I think a lot of people could learn from us, quite frankly. It's funny. So I'm glad you brought up relationships. Obviously, I did a bit of writing on the interwebs in my 20s. And a lot of my dating and like love advice was like, do as I say and less as I do. And it came from a position of like, I've always been in like relationships, dating people, like multiple people, like not mm-hmm. like one solid relationship. Who do you think has better advice to give from a relationship perspective? Someone like me who's been in a multitude of them or you who's been in one healthy relationship? Um, I think <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, that there's actually like a fairness to that question because you've had different experiences. I've only had mine. Yeah. But I have had different experiences within mine. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, I like to think of myself as a pretty good friend to my friends. So I've experienced a lot of other people's relationship from various viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say most of the time, my advice has gone over pretty well. So, um, and has been effective for them. So I would say me in the long run, but... I, I do think, you know, what you need more experience. I needed to see other people's relationships as we got older to kind of figure out how, how I could fix things that are sometimes. So um, I think you can get, garner that experience, whether it be through various relationships of your own or just through life. Sure. Um, you know, I, I really think uh, communication in all relationships, not just, you know, the loving romantic relationships, but friendships and family and, and everything else, like... A lot of people struggle to communicate, um, yeah. you know, emotions and, and, 
you know, hormonal levels and all that stuff. Like people don't realize how much like is going on chemically inside of you in every different interaction that you have. Another thing that's not taught. But yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like some serious biology and physiology of like what is going on inside your body as this stuff's happening. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I have done any studying on it whatsoever was for work. Sure. Was to see the chemical effects that were taking place in my body that were causing me to make bad decisions. Hmm. That's interesting. I like that. Um, I think uh, we've had a unique relationships, obviously, growing up. I bullied you a little bit as kids. And then, I like, I really you- thought that besides chubby one tooth yeah call me fat consistently every day for about 10 years but yeah sure that's not mean that no but like you can't <laughs> but like i always just took it as because like i i you know i always took it as like a brotherly rivalry thing i never like okay so back to my initial point so like um i i think we're we're lucky to have each other and like obviously <laughs> yeah. lucky to have jess as well like we've got it's because of our parents that we've got such a strong bond between mm-hmm. the three of us. But I think over the last, like, I don't know, call it three or four years, probably maybe since like Marielle has been born, so called five years, you and I have developed like a really special like friendship and bond. And like, I would consider you like my best friend, even though you're my brother. Oh, don't cry. You're I'm such not going to cry. I'm laughing. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> Getting all teary eyed. Um, but it's been like a, a real treat for me because we're able to have like very frank conversations about finances about hopes about dreams about relationships about like kids like so much stuff (laughs) that like i don't know if that's common for like every sibling to have with their sibling um what is the hardest part about being my brother being short i mean i mean you're tall and i'm short uh that's the hardest part about being my brother i don't know Uh, yeah (laughs) honestly i never i'm trying to that was my first instinct what what else would be hard about it (laughs) i guess just being a little guy (laughs) I feel like people don't think we're related at first. Um, like everybody, you know how many times people thought me and Jess were twins? Yeah, because you're both short. She's she's a good height for a girl. She's five you're seven. You're short. I'm short. Yes. Um, no, I I don't know. I could fit on an airplane better than you, but um, yeah, and only one of us could afford to fly first class, <laughs> and it's not me. <laughs> um, no, I. Honestly, dude, I don't think anything's ever been hard. I've always been grateful. I always come back to the one thing you said to me a long time ago. I think it was when I first started work. And it was like, don't take life too seriously or, or you'll never get out alive. I didn't make that up. That was from a movie. No, no, no. I know it's, yeah. a, I know it's like a famous quote. But when you said it to me, it was very on point. And I think that sentimentality has greatly informed my life as a whole. That's how you live your life, yeah. I, you know, given the the few health issues I've had with the the nerve problems and thinking I was having heart attacks all the time, I um, have looked at life a little bit differently in the last few years. But um, you know, it's it's it it's hard to not take things seriously. Uh, you know, and then we've got we've had conversations before about how infinitesimally small we are in the scheme of the universe. You know, it's really funny. I I recently tweeted out. Uh, like I was looking at the full moon like a few days ago. It was huge. I was like, does anyone else look at the moon and think like how infinitesimally little and small we are? And this girl who I'm friends with uh, on Twitter responded back and she was like, no, it's like the exact opposite. It like makes me feel so important and so like huge in the grand scheme of the cosmos that I'm standing here. You know, I think she's in California sitting on a beach looking at this giant moon and like feeling like this immensity of the universe. And I was like, wow, isn't that so funny that like I I would say I'm like a very big picture kind of person, like 
fate, karma, the whole nine yards. And I have a complete opposite impression of like looking at the moon. Yeah, I'm actually kind of blown away by her response too, because that's how I think about it. Uh, I think it was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There was this machine that they used to torture people, and <laughs> the, the main character in the sh- in the book couldn't be. It was psychological effect. Right, he was too dumb. No, for- it was showed you how small you are in the universe. And, oh, I remember this, and it was in one of them, and he, it basically like drove most people mad to realize like how. You are less than a pebble of sand on a beach on Earth compared to the whole Earth. Oh, yeah. And when people, I guess, realized that, they would, like, go crazy. And he was just like, oh, I already knew that. (laughs) And, like, he was fine. Um, That's funny. I don't remember that. Yeah. So I think about that a lot because it's like we all have our troubles and our stresses and whatever. And everybody's got anxiety nowadays in different ways and and whatever else. And, And then you look back and you say, like, what else is there, you know? You know, we've had discussions about the afterlife and or our matrix or, or whatever else it might be. And and with how small we are, it's like, are we really just an ant colony? You know, like it's it's hard to. I, I asked the question, so I guess we can get into it now at the end of every podcast on if the people that I'm chatting with believe in an afterlife. And I do know that you do. Mm-hmm. And I think we have like this shared common belief that like there would be no purpose to life if there wasn't something after. Right. Like it's like there's no possibility that some fucking gooey substance in the ocean rolled up on a sandy beach morphed into 51 different things and then like ah boom monkeys turn into humans like there has to be some sort of cosmic design that created mankind and like i listen we could wax poetic i kind of stopped saying that i've said it so often on so many podcasts lately um about like what the meaning of life is and like what happens after and i don't really want to get into that because it'll just take up too much of our time but i do believe that there is a, a purpose for why we're here and that purpose is not for me to go to work nine to five pushing paper on something that makes me miserable that is not for me to you know stress out how many likes I get on an Instagram photo. It's not for me to worry about, you know, how many Twitter followers I have. Those are so inconsequential to the grand scheme of the meaning of life. And it wasn't until the last couple of years where I started questioning, like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? Why am I here? That I felt like the most comfort in my own kind of skin. Well, that's good. I would say to, to go along with that, like I, I love the quote that's like, would you rather live your whole life thinking there was no afterlife and and no no higher power, no God, whatever you want to call it, and then finding out there was? Or would you rather go your whole life believing that and then you find out that there's nothing anyway, it doesn't matter? Well, you wouldn't find out. Right, exactly. (laughs) So it's like, what's the point? What's the point of not believing? Well, the point of not believing is to make it easy on yourself to not worry about things because like the in in terms of the context of like what else, right? What else is out there? It can go one of two ways. You can believe that there is something else and then that can do one of two things. It can make you calm and like believe that like everything in life happens for a reason and like you're put here for a purpose or you're like, oh shit. I can't go through a red light because I'm going to go to hell. Or I'm going to like, you know what I mean? Like, so like it can go one of two ways. So I would That's understand fair. why there is context to like whether, you know, what the degree of your kind of belief system looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've been fortunate enough that like later in life, I've found like my, my biggest passion, which is like pho- photography and, and taking pictures. And, you know, it's, I, I recorded a podcast earlier this week that I haven't posted yet. That's like, 
I'm happy and disconnect, discontent. Like the, the premise of the conversation that I have with myself is that I wake up every morning incredibly lucky and blessed to like be me, right? Like I'm super comfortable in my own skin. I'm very happy that I get to chase the dreams that I'm chasing, but like I'm super discontent on like the progress that I'm making in the career that I've chosen, right? Like I'm not shooting the cover of Rolling Stone magazine or whatever it might be. Like I'm not doing these things yet. And then like you have to realize like I've made, well, I have to realize that I've made tremendous strides in a 12 month period of time to get Mm -hmm. to where I am today. So my question for you is what, Besides your kids and your wife and your family, what inspires you? Getting better. At? Everything. Give me an example. Uh, lifting, getting stronger. Uh, work, getting better. Smaller drawdowns, higher highs. Um, being a better father, even though that's not what you, you said, not that. But um, it's just an easy answer. I mean, no, a, a better reader, a better consumer of knowledge, um, a, a better brother, a better brother to jess you know what i mean like a better son the just being better being the better be, better to best version of yourself yeah 100 percent. that that that's all i think about do all think, i think about is, is did you ever think better. about that when you were like younger every day yeah that's where we so drastically differ in terms of like ourselves which is very interesting to me because <laughs> like obviously we led greatly different lives in our 20s like i was partying and getting fucked up and going to clubs and getting (laughs) bottle service and like doing all these things that i thought were like important right and like i had a great time like they were great like i have no complaints Mm -hmm. i have no regrets had a blast didn't really do anything of consequence in my 20s like i didn't whatever xyz Mm -hmm. but it has all led me to the point of today where i'm now appreciative for that time because Mm -hmm. it taught me a, a, a significant amount of lessons right um I don't know that I could have had that kind of level of context in my 20s. Like, to be a better version of myself wasn't something that I considered 21 to 22. I, I've always thought about it, but I, I think I've just looked at it in a different light now than I did then. It was, it was, I think it was shallower when you're younger because you don't have the same depth of understanding of Meaning of like, life. I want to look good in a bathing suit workout kind of thing versus like i want health. i want to be strong yeah um sort of I, I would say more so like like when i say get better i, I think about it from a, a mental aspect that is just deeper than than like yeah i want to get a little bit stronger i want to look a little bit better it's, it's just everything that comes with it it's like responding correctly in different situations of life yeah i mean listen like i i was i was speaking with a Uh, a woman yesterday on my podcast about how like I've recently started doing yoga and getting into meditation because like while where do you do yoga yeah right here oh okay yeah literally you think I'm I had her laughing too I was like you think I'm gonna go fucking to a yoga studio do yoga fuck no I'm the least flexible person on the planet I used to go all the time more so hell no I'm not doing that shit in public that is sweat and uncomfortable and grunting alone, hot. and only my neighbors. <laughs> are I subject. used to do hot yoga and bring two beach towels because I would sweat so much it was like a river pouring off me. Exactly why I would not do it in public. That being said, um, in my twenties, I'd have been like, "Oh, look at this fucking loser uh, trying to be like all zen and meditate and like blah blah." And it has made such a marked difference in my day to day life. Like waking mm-hmm. up every morning and doing a ten minute like guided meditation, like for being thankful, being present, being accepting, being like all these things that I never consciously thought about at a younger age, mm-hmm. has made tremendous impacts in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's funny that like I, you know. I don't know if I could have learned that at 25. I like the the one of the core 
questions that I try to get to the bottom of in the, these discussions, in these podcasts, are could our younger selves have learned the lessons that we have been blessed to learn later in life? And it goes both ways. I, I seem to get back and forth between yes and no. I think one of the best things from your podcast with Dad was, I don't know if he said this to me afterwards, is that the problem is when you're younger, you don't even know the questions. I did say that, yeah. I think that's like the reality of the situation is when you look back, like, yet, like I was saying about getting better, like, yes, I was trying to, but I like didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like I was saying, it just, there just wasn't depth to it. And I think that that's like part of like as people get older, like your emotions have more depth to them. There is there is more than just the the flash in the pan or whatever. There there is a, a bigger reasoning behind it. There is a greater understanding of the anxiety that caused it or the buildup of emotion because of certain circumstances and and all of these things. That, and what happens is as people get older, they either get better or they get worse. Mm-hmm. There is no you know at a certain point you level off and kind of probably stagnate at whatever your emotional level is going to be but i think you see people like not be able to deal with life and get into drugs and alcohol and kind of drink themselves away in in our society or you kind of have like i would call it enlightened people who are just happy uh, on a base level that is above average and i think that that's because like you create these layers of depth to your emotion where like and you know obviously i've kind of always been a a fiery person (laughs) so it's something i've had to work on because i can't afford to be fiery at work and when i am i lose money end of story yeah so like i have every single bad trait for traders who have blown up and i've managed to is that because you're born in january at 8 p.m or whatever whatever. you know Napoleon complex you know whatever um bald bald um but at the end of the day like I've done the work to understand the feelings, to do these things, to put speed bumps in. And like, that is how you create the depth of the emotion so that when you feel the emotion, you realize where it's coming from. For me, it happens to mostly be a fear of, of lost time. Is Um, that your biggest fear? Time? I've come to the conclusion over the last six months through some studying of mental techniques and whatever else that I don't necessarily have FOMO of like missing out on a trade or whatever. I have a fear of having lost the time of not made money of not. Is that the, the mindset that can only be attributed to a father because you're not building wealth for yourself anymore. It's now like building like foundation. I mean, it's still for me at this point. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. You've, you've reached like a, a comfort level that is good for you. If you were a single guy with no kids and no college expenses and no diapers and no food and whatever, I, I would still say I'm not where I would want to be. But that's beside. The I'm fact. just saying. Yeah. Is that is that aspect of it something? There's you, way more. Yeah. yeah. And and there is like life is short, right? Like I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and like I, I almost wanna, got hit by a car last night. Yeah. It's like you want to leave as much as you can for them. Obviously, you know, like know that they're taken care of and. And I don't really worry about that because I'm very fortunate to have somebody uh, as as brilliant as Aaron to be like, okay, I can go get a job and do very well. And mm-hmm. and like, I don't have to worry about that. You know, I did worry this weekend for the first time because we were on a plane together. And I was like, oh, this shit. is terrifying. You yeah. know, like it's the first time with three kids that we were kind of whatever. And, and I was like, this is scary. And you did know, you have anxiety when you got on the plane? Uh, I would say like, I think we had a bumpy takeoff or a bumpy landing. I can't remember. We had, and I was like... All right, like it, it, it flashed through my mind, you know, like 
oh well thank god we have jess you know yeah. take care of the kids um, and mom and and no, right. grandma gail and right yeah but but that's like day, just ultimately like i think that's where like we grew up in the most blessed environment possible with like the best family right mm-hmm. like I, I you talk to a lot i talk to a lot of people i don't know how many people you talk to but mm-hmm. i talk to a lot of people who have varying degrees of family right uh maybe they have one or two parents um maybe their parents are still married or divorced maybe they've got siblings maybe they don't maybe they have a close relationship maybe they don't but i think the bedrock of like the cheat card that i have in life is my family like no matter what five years from now i'm a drug addict under a bridge jesus I know that like you guys would come get me, like you would come help me. Like I know that that like I have got that built-in safety net that I can go do copious amounts of drugs whenever I want. I'm just kidding, obviously. But my point ultimately being is that like that is the cheat card that I have. Like it gives me so much confidence to mm-hmm. be able to go chase down the dreams that I have because I know I have people behind me who believe in me. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad glad you feel that way. Obviously, that's kind of how I feel too. Um, I always say that like to our parents you know i don't feel like i could ever do or say enough how far ahead i feel like they brought yeah, us our cheat code yeah, yeah yeah it really was it's so. like back back left right left right <laughs> up down <laughs> jenny defar aladdin naboo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i've got that console i just think we should break it out when this is done that's so funny jenny yeah. jafar aladdin naboo jenny jafar aladdin naboo oh my god sure it's the genie only the only ogs super nintendos <laughs> yeah. are gonna know what that is that is fucking great oh my god wow talk um, about a tangent um that's so funny but so, yeah i mean not everybody has that and and the older you get i think the more thankful you get for it because you see the effects uh of like where people got off the starting block so to speak and and how much harder it made things for them um you know in, in various aspects i would say emotionally more than anything mm-hmm. so. yeah so i i know we, you and i differ in terms of like financial success because like i've i've jumped off head first off of like the the uh hamster wheel to like chase these passions that i have in life um i think my greatest fear is would would have been had i not taken the leap of faith that i've taken in the last you know three or four months mm-hmm. to like kind of like fully jump into head first to like the things that i know are what i'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. versus like okay you know i need to go get a corporate america job and like have health insurance and like do all these things <laughs> right um I think my biggest fear in life would have been not taking this chance. Mm -hmm. And I think the greatest gift that I was ever given was getting fired in the middle of the pandemic and being able to drive around the country in my car and take a billion pictures and like, just be like super capable of finding myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Where do you find yourself in like your journey of life that you've kind of planned from, from such a young age? So like, where 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 do you see yourself to date and like where does it go from here um smack dab in the middle of it was the thought that went through my mind when you said that in the middle of kind of my journey um but what's scary about that is i'm only 33 so i'm hoping to live past 66 um it's not like not how it works you know yeah some chapters can be longer than the other ones <laughs> that's true that's fair okay that's a good way of looking at it um where am I? What's next? Uh, I will say for the first time, I don't know. 
Um, I'm just trying to embrace the chaos of childhood with yeah. the kids. Um, enjoy the moments I can. You know, we were at the football game tonight, and Liliana was like throwing herself out of my arms and i just started laughing i'm like if i dropped you you're going to fall down the bleachers like <laughs> and i was just laughing i was like people are probably looking at us and and i'm like I, like i'm sure some dads are like oh that poor dad and other dad and pe- some people are like that's hilarious you know like <laughs> yeah. and you're just like thinking you know th- kind of like third person and yeah I, you know just enjoying those moments that's that's where i am is is trying to laugh at the chaos and um you know mariella fell off the bleachers at one point because she was <laughs> tried to stand um you know like just the the little things like that that that's that's where i am um take taking time to smell the roses and Um, how do you do that like when when there's like constant chaos around you when there's like three kids one's crying one's eating one's yeah Yeah, that's so cheesy that's what i do that's my new thing yeah well you know that there is like actual scientific data okay that's why i do things (laughs) (laughs) that's why i do everything yeah no um patrick bateman over here yeah i've started trying to smile before i come upstairs after a bad day um you know that that's where i'm at i i think you know for me it's uh especially with our parents you know we've been very blessed and obviously our fathers had some some health issues and try to be frustrated less and be thankful more um, yeah that's what's where i am yeah um i find when you come from a place of thankfulness like irregardless of everything like life is just a lot easier like i'm just yeah. thankful to wake up every day because i think like you know i could have a brain aneurysm i could die tomorrow i could not yeah, wake up could like happen. my friend yeah. my our friend's husband just had a tia what's uh, a tia uh, like a mini stroke oh jesus yeah okay. wow horrible um anyways like so so yeah i have those reminders daily and I, I think the place I come from most of the time now is just is a gratitude. lot of gratitude. Yeah. You know, like I get pissed, I get upset. I'm like, I'm human. You know, yeah. like I, yeah, I, 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 I see the emotion. Anthony has his notification silenced a lot when I go to text you. So is that real? Yeah. What do you mean? How do you know? On that? your phone. Never mind. We'll get into that later. <laughs> Does that actually show you that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so the um, yeah, gratitude. It's super important. Right. And as to where I'm going, I'm going to a beach for a week at some point. <laughs> Oh, you mean when you're actually allowed to leave the country? <laughs> yeah. I mean, legitimately, I just, it's funny because I think about my 10 year anniversary all the time, even though it's three years, two and a half years away still. Because like we've always said, we're going to go back to the resort we went to. We're not going to do any excursions and we're just going to just plop on the beach and eat good food. But you're going to have kids with you. No. Oh, you're not. No. Go okay. pawn them up on all the family members. I think I'll be away that week then. <laughs> um, I think, like, I don't want to say, like, I was ever an asshole. I think I was... We all were, John. Yeah, okay. So, like, I don't want to say I was an asshole. I want to say that, like, from a young age, like, call it, like, 15 to 25, I was caught in between being a person that felt like he needed to put on a, per- a certain personality trait and or a certain act uh, to be like a certain way, whether it was like cocky or outgoing or whatever it might be. And then like a dickhead sometimes versus like, I think I am a person. I I hope I'm a person who has a good heart, who like wants to see other people be successful and happy. And fundamentally, like probably the core mission behind this podcast is like having conversations with people about life to make sure that they're like leading their light their life with happiness Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what's super important and i've only gotten here with like peaks and valleys ups and downs in life you've kind of maintained this same kind of even keel like well outside looking in this kind of even keeled like plan ahead 
have everything kind of cohesive and in order uh, from like the jump. And I'm curious, like how, how has it been, you know, from the outside looking in kind of like easy for you to kind of maintain like being that same kind of rock of a person? Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I don't know if I deserve that because <laughs> I, I mean, not, no, I mean, the reality is like I've had plenty of volatility, you know, I've had plenty of struggles, you know, I, multiple times I've almost failed, you know, I've almost flunked out, so to speak of my business. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I don't think it has anything to do with you being a person though. N- no, but I like success in like work. No, no, no. I guess, I guess it's funny because you, you, like you said, from the outside, I know the turmoil that was going on during the inside you know when yeah, graham like died work when yeah. no, no no when graham died when dad was sick when whatever so i have no idea even what you're talking about because <laughs> i know the chaos in my own mind sure um and one of the best pieces of advice uh i think the pediatrician gave us he's got four kids he just said embrace the chaos and and i think i embrace my inner chaos i think maybe that's why it looks like it from the outside is because um I'm also, the only thing I think I do better than most people, to be completely honest, is I know what I need, and I know how to fix myself, and and I'll say, hey, I'm not thinking straight. I'm, I think my, you know, I'm not going to go get a blood test, but I might be like, my cortisol, I could tell my cortisol levels are high. They are right now. You know, I might need to go for a three-mile run, pound it out, which is good, long for me, because I'm fat, <laughs> and, you know, go for a, th- a good hard run, and... You know, clear my mind and make sure I get a good workout. I got to eat right. You know, whatever. I, I so now need, tell me. I might need to have five bourbons and just blank my mind. Start fresh. So now tell Slate, me. Slate, feel like crap, whatever. Is this the level of internal cognition that's something that you could have had at 22? Ooh, 22? No, 25 maybe. Okay. So I don't think at 22. But I think... Because I agree fundamentally with what you just said. Two days ago or three days ago when it was like super rainy and depressing, like shitty out, like I felt myself having like that sort of seasonal affective disorder. Like I was like really in a funk. I was unmotivated. I didn't want to follow up on any emails that I had. Like I had a bunch of stiff stuff for work that I didn't do or wasn't going to do because I was like, like, fuck it. Fuck it. It's like, I'll do it tomorrow. It'll be Mm-hmm. my head will be clear and then like literally like you said cortisol levels i went to the gym i ran i lifted weights i worked out took a shower and then i was like ready to like fuck the day up mm-hmm. and i would never have done that five years ago mm-hmm. i've never would have done that two years ago so like that level of internal cognition is something that i've only recently been able to like mm-hmm. adhere to could i have taught that to myself at a younger age yes interesting um, but this is something that I, I've said to mom before about like learning about myself and the mental aspects and the physiology and all that stuff is like, I've had to seek things to fix my mental state younger because of my job. Well, sure. Because but, of a relationship. Yeah. Be- because of where I've been at life, I have been forced to, you know, shit or get off the pot you have to figure out what works and what doesn't and and i've searched for those answers and and i continue to because as i you know the overarching theme of what i've said is i want to keep getting better so i can keep learning i can keep 
you know, figuring out what works for me. And, and I try to, you know, help people and my friends and whatever and be like, well, I read this, you know, like, this is really interesting. And, and like, wow, this, some of the, how your brain is reacting is crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same thing like with the relationships and, and it, it kind of all goes together. I have often been quoted as saying that we live in like the most exhausting time in the history of humanity. And I don't know if that's because access to perceived information or access to perceived drama is just four and a half microseconds or scrolls away. Um, but I, you know, the, the, the core of like where we're at as a society is like, we've never been further connected than we are or like more entwined than we are and yet also never been greater divided Mm -hmm. how does those kind of like sentimentalities of like a great drama that is surrounding the world impact like your daily life as like a father and a worker and like a person um i think i've said to you a lot of times like a lot of it i don't worry about um I think the phones and that whole aspect is like a totally different thing with parenthood and it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, and when you read about and listen to what these have done to our brains and, and how we're basically continually getting dopamine releases and, and, you know, you think about that and like giving it to your kid and, and, you know, when I'll never forget Mariella, I think she was like 18 months old when she first like grabbed the phone and was doing something on it and how her eyes lit up. Yeah. And when we took it away, it was like a drug addict <laughs> and we were like, Oh, you know, so like now we very much so use the phone only as a tool. If it's like, okay, we have 15 minutes. We have to have a conversation like, okay, you can play one game and then we, you know, daddy will be right back. And then he's taking the phone away and it is very regimented and structured because you realize how bad it is for us. And we, I, I, I like, in, I think cigarettes, and phones are like the best analogy Ooh. you could ever have because when our parents were kids and they got hooked on cigarettes, they didn't know how bad it was for them. Sure. We are the first generation of people yep. with these phones yep. and we are addicted and we don't know how bad they are for Ooh, us. Ooh, that is so now. good. So, did you see that or you made that up yourself? I did not make it up myself. Okay. I, I read it somewhere. That is um, so good. And uh, the first time I... Yeah, so I'm obviously a huge fan of that analogy of like cigarettes to social media to phones. Like that's wildly interesting. Yeah, so I, I think in the long run that's kind of how we're going to look at this stuff. But uh, I'm definitely trying to figure out ways to put my phone down more. Um, but I feel like that kind of coincides with work. So I feel like it's easier to take put my phone down and leave it somewhere when I'm not working. So I'm not like checking something to make sure I shouldn't be on my desk or you know make sure I got closed out of something if I walked away. Um, you know, those kind of things. I, I definitely don't think that dopamine release is good for the old brain. Oh yeah, for sure not. I mean, I think it's funny. So I think my mood can on a day to day basis be directly contributed to the amount of hours that I spend on my phone. I think the days where I have good days more often than not, um, five hours or less. And I know that sounds crazy, but like, you know, a lot of my quote unquote job and like life is That's posting on socials and emails and whatever like a lot of that is done via the phone um how have you managed to stay off of the greater amount of social media like the entirety of your adulthood um well i really only use twitter and that's mostly for work and and you don't tweet i don't tweet um i would say 
I realized life was much more interesting in person. And I don't like the voyeurism of it all. Mm. Um, I don't... Once I realized that, like, the amount of time I was wasting just scrolling down Facebook, you know, maybe, what, 20 minutes a day or 40 minutes a day or an hour a day, depending on the day, I was like, this is not getting me where I'm not getting better doing this. I'm getting worse. Oh, yeah. Um, So that just didn't coincide with, like, my core belief of getting better and... That led to me being like, okay, well, I could be spending an hour a day on Facebook or I could spend an hour a day reading. Um, And I love to read. So why would I not be doing that? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, And, you know, there's, I definitely, it definitely hurt a couple of my friendships, uh, some of which don't exist anymore. Others, which had like, I needed like a smoothing period of like, hey, I'm sorry I missed your birthday. The only reason I knew everybody's birthdays all these years was because of Facebook. 100%. So I started putting everybody's fucking birthday <laughs> in my in my calendar, you know? In your calendar? My or calendar. calendar. Yeah. I was going to say my Google calendar, and I said yeah. calendar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, the people who are important, it's in there. I still forget sometimes, even though it's, I get a reminder. Well, but, when you have three kids and you sleep three hours and... Yeah, yeah whatever. So, but, you know, like, I've definitely had friends be upset at that before, and... It's like sorry, you know. I've been upset about that before, but when people forget, I mean, obviously, oh. you've never forgot my birthday. I never yeah. forgot your birthday. I mean, you didn't get me a present last year, but I won't forget it. Uh, um, sure. I like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing kind of like a quick Q and A. You've already tackled the "Do you believe in an afterlife?" one, but like these are gonna, meant to be like kind of quick hitters. Some of them mm-hmm. are like whatever. What's your favorite book? Ever? Or like one or two or three? Uh, King's Killer Chronicles is a great series. Prince of Thieves is a great series. Nerd. AJ Riddle's good. You yeah. like him? He's super nerdy. Um, but he's I don't have a bro. favorite book. Okay. I like a lot of trading books too. The, all the Market Wizards books are my favorites. What's uh, one book that you've read that you recommend everybody read? Ooh, Richest Man in Babylon or The Greatest Salesman in the World. Those are two of the best. Okay. What's your favorite movie? Oh wait, I also forgot Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Okay. Sorry. Um favorite movie or like one or two i don't know i'm sort of a sucker for the avengers movies nowadays (laughs) so i think when do you have three hours to watch a movie (laughs) (laughs) i used to um i find them entertaining i don't know my favorite movie it might might be like the prestige i don't know it's a good one yeah i dude you know i i i enjoy anything good i'm not like uh Cinema. Oh, this is the best yeah. ever because it depends what mood I'm in. Like, mm-hmm. if I want something where I'm thinking, like, it's totally different than if I'm like, I want to sit down and hear loud noises and see things get smashed. Like, yeah, I'm going to put on Transformers or Avengers. You know? <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. What's your favorite food? <sighs> okay, my mother-in-law makes a chicken cutlet in a Madeira wine sauce that she puts eggplant on top of and artichokes. Artichokes, interesting. Okay, that's, that's probably like number my favorite. Not like pizza, burgers. I love everything. <laughs> it's probably why you're getting a little thick there, pal. <laughs> Strong. What are you most proud of? My kids. I mean, is that like such a cop out? It is, but probably my relationship with Aaron. What's your biggest regret? <sighs> Not playing lacrosse in high school. Really? You're four foot eleven. You couldn't play lacrosse in high school. That's the only. Well, I was thinking like what I what I've regretted in life. Uh, taking my job was like. One of the hardest decisions in my life. 
because of the non-salary aspect of it? Right. There is a salary in the beginning, but it's very small. Um, I had a very good offer for something else. Um, no, it wasn't. I'm here to tell you. It was just, that you killing <laughs> millions of Americans by selling tobacco products. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, it was a great offer. Ultra sure. is a great company. They, they have good benefits. It was it was everything that Safe Anthony would take his entire life. Which was shocking when you didn't take it. I remember sitting down with you. And the reason was, though, how I got here. The reason, not to cut you off. The reason that I answered it that this question that way is because I that was always the one thing I didn't want to have was regrets. Hmm. Um and I really don't have it. Like, that's why it's like funny that lacrosse is the first thing that came to my mind. Cause I was like, that's a great sport. Like I really wish I played it. Um, I don't have any regrets in my adult life. Like I, I wish I, you know, I've gotten increasingly good of doing the, like, well, I'm going to do this so I don't regret it later. Right. Like, I think that's an easy way to live life. Like now, like, you know, post COVID for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to go get dinner with a buddy who I haven't seen in five years on a Wednesday night when I know I'm going to be tired on Thursday because mm-hmm. Maybe one of us will get hit by a bus, right? Mm-hmm. So I've gotten really good at like, it's not FOMO. It's like regret, like mitigation. mitigation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't I don't have very many regrets in life because I look at everything that I would have done differently as a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be where I am today had I not done something dumb, right. dated someone terrible, whatever it might have been. And I didn't know that until I knew that. I, I will say the, the other regrets I have... Um are just from being like a young drunk asshole, testosterone laden, you know, whatever. I use stupid things here and there, but like th- those things, you know. Yeah, that's fair. I'm sure you have a few of those. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> um, I often say that like a lot of our life is like regimented and probably doubly so for you. Like you know, get good grades in high school, get to a good college, get a good job. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, five years away from retirement. So you'll be retired in 10 years? I want to be. Okay. That's cool. I, I think I can be if I if I reach my potential in what I do for a living. Yes. Nice. What is the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Wow. Um, I got to think for a few seconds here. Um, wow. That's a hard question. It's I mean, not. one of the best pieces of advice I've ever really gotten was when you told me to not take life too seriously. So that's one of them. I'm patting myself on the back. For that <laughs> yeah, one. that that's definitely one of them. I mean, like at at my core, I've I've lived the majority of my life that way, mm-hmm. probably to my detriment at times. <laughs> However, I think it is a supremely healthy way to live because at the end of the day, like you know. You're one brain aneurysm or cancer diagnosis away from it all being gone. Yeah. I, I will say the other thing, uh, the best advice that dad ever gave us is that there's no such thing as can't. Um, and That seems like a you thing. I don't think he told me that. He, he said that to us as kids over and over again. If we were raking leaves and we were tired, oh, I'm too tired. I can't finish. There's no such thing as can't finish it. If oh, you're, you're going to do, do a job half-assed, don't do it at all. I'm I sure you remember, remember that, that one. Yeah, because I did do a lot of things half-assed. Yeah, I still do. Yeah. <laughs> what is your best piece of advice for people who are hearing you on this podcast for the first time figure out what you want and work towards it that's Um, pretty good that's it that's life um along the way you will get better there'll be ups and downs and i firmly believe that for 99 percent of the people listening to this podcast 
there's really not much that they can't do. Yeah. Uh, you have access to all the technologies of the Western world. You have a prosperous... Except for our, like, India listeners. <laughs> right. You have... Uh, whatever. You're in a prosperous nation. You have access to technology. You... I mean, listen, there are people who make six figures a year off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sadly, and, I'm not one of them. I right, should be. But there are master classes <laughs> on Twitter. People who you spend a hundred bucks and you buy their course and they'll tell you what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that complicated. And the, then you figure out how to do it what works for you. And these are all different people. There are people that do it for, you know, life experience things. There's people that do it for fitness. They, they, people do it for all different kinds of stuff. I follow a guy, this older guy who does stuff and it's like all scientific studies that he like aggregates and whatever. And he's made a killing. Um, now he does one-on-one coaching and whatever. So yeah, that's figure out what you want. You know, like it's, there's so many things you can do. Mm -hmm. I think with this all the time, it's like, well, what else do I want? You know, you said, what's next? I don't know. You know, like what's what now? I'm excited for what else I will do. Merch to drop soon. Yeah. What'd you say? Merch Merch dropping soon. Yeah. From what now? Yeah. So like then, you know, you figure it out from there. Nice. My last question is what is one recommendation that you have for the listeners for something that you have consumed lately? Could be a book that you read, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, just something that you've consumed lately that you think everyone should check out. I mean, if you want to be happy, watch Ted Lasso. Oh my God. Fucking obviously. I don't know what else. That's like the biggest thing I think I've watched lately that I was like, this is just so great. I don't understand any human being on planet Earth who doesn't watch Ted Lasso. And or if there are any people out there who don't like it, like well, yeah, I mean, and if you don't like it and you watch a few episodes, you're like, okay, it's not for me. Like I understand if no, no, not your type of humor, but like <laughs> it just makes you happy. Yeah, there, there's no context for Ted Lasso not being a good thing in your life. Yeah, I um, think that's probably it. My recommendation is a show on HBO Max called Love Life. Um, the first season is centered around Anna Kendrick and like kind of her dating life to married life to divorce life to then finding her second. Love. Oh, like, it's real. It's a real no. show. It's oh. a show. Oh, no, 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 it's not. She's the she's main a, character. Character. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, very much not a documentary. Um, second season is uh, starring the actor who plays Cheaty on A Good Place. Love him. He's amazing. And the show is just so good. I watched the first episode of the new season today. It's just so great. It's so wonderful. I think everyone should check that out. Uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Obviously, I don't say this enough. I love you greatly. You're my best friend. You're my boy, Blue. And I'm just so happy that you're my brother. I love you, too. I'm also happy to be your brother. And uh, congratulations on 50 podcasts. Thank you very much. Thank you.